0: Welcome to Eurograps Express, I'm your host Neil David and as always we're back to talk about all the latest happenings on the European wrestling scene. Um, It's been a funny old fortnight. Um, the last couple of weeks. Obviously, last last time was a big show. We talked about the uh, the Epic Encounters uh, show from Red Pro. It was absolutely amazing. Got really enthusiastic about it. Uh, no one listened to it because it was the same. It came out two days after the AEW pay-per-view, but that's absolutely fine. Uh, <laughs> I'd do it for you, the four people who are listening. That's it. Um, but it's been a funny old fortnight because I really wanted to dedicate this show to Super Strong Style 16. It happened... While I was recording the last show and I thought, well, two weeks, surely two weeks it'll be out. You know, the, the wrestle travel man knows his business. He he must want to get this out. He wouldn't just post pictures of who won all over Twitter and ask you what all your favorite moments were without having any indication about when we're going to be able to see it. Um... And I was right. He he had actually given us an indication of uh, where we would be able to see it, um, and it wasn't too. <laughs> it wasn't within a fortnight of it happening, which I assumed it would have been. Uh, Ian Hamilton found uh, that it's going to be like mid July when it comes out. Um, so now progress are essentially the Brit rest PWG, um, where they have matches they don't let you see them, and then you forget about them by the time you can. Um, I think the main difference is that the matches were probably rubbish. Actually, that's not fair. I, I think the matches were actually probably good. I've seen a few clips of it, of uh, the tag matches and, and bits and pieces. And I've seen this amazing picture of Chris Ridgeway who won. Uh, and he's he's got his foot on uh, you know on somebody. He's got his arms crossed and the belt over his shoulders. He looks really arrogant. And I really like Chris Ridgway. So that's why I was really excited to talk about it. But, you know, what are you going to do? I can't. Um, and it's been a funny old fortnight because... Well, it's been a funny the evening, really. It's, it's three o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's when I always record these. It's it's a Friday night. and I like to stay up on a Friday night, even though I'm absolutely exhausted and I'm, I'm knackered from work. I like to just end... I love these times where they feel like dead, empty times, you know, When there's no pressure on you to do anything. You know, you can't over up. You can't tidy up. You've just got to do something that you wouldn't normally do, you know, and just sort of enjoy that emptiness, enjoy that space. And the thing that I chose to do with this emptiness and this space was watch the Cody Rhodes-Seth Rollins-Hell in a Cell match. Um, I thought, you know, it's dead time. I'll do something that I don't normally do whatsoever. And it's kind of put me on my back foot a little bit, ready for doing this show, because it's my job to be an accurate star rater, isn't it? Like the, The pressure of a podcast and the pressure of talking about wrestling... I mean, I, I've got my own chat room with the voices of wrestling Discord, which you absolutely should go in, by the way. There's some top blokes in there. We have some great chats. And, I, you know, I've, I've got to recommend things. And I was reading about it on the Observer this afternoon when I should have been working. And it's talking about, you know, it's got five stars. Everyone's saying how much of a great match it was. And, and I've watched, I think, it's, I think it's rubbish. I mean, I've just watched it now in the kitchen whilst eating cheese and crackers. And... This is my Friday night routine. I like to break the rules and I eat cheese late at night. Um, and I watch it and I'm thinking it's fine. I probably gave it, rubbish was a bit harsh. I probably gave it like three and a quarter stars, three and a half stars. Dave Meltzer gave it five stars. And I know me and Dave are, are very different reviewers. You know, one of us is one of us is massively successful and does this for a living. Um the other one lives in California. I'm joking. Um, you know, obviously I'm me, and I, I I I'm very much on a smaller scale than him. But you know, seriousness. You know, he looks at things from a very technical point of view. Often he looks at things from a very stuff happening point of view. What happened? I tend to look at things from a storyline point of view. But I'm usually within the consensus. There's very few highly rated matches out there that I think are absolute rubbish. You know, there are some five-star matches that I would give four and a quarter to, you know, or maybe even three and three quarters, but nothing that's completely off-piste. And it's really started to make me think about who I am as a critic and who I am as a reviewer and how much I let my biases kind of take over from, from, from sort of my, the logical part of my brain and whether that's a good thing or not. And ultimately, I think it is, but I don't think when I was watching this match, I think my issue with it is that I couldn't get over who Cody Rhodes is and who Seth Rollins is. You know, Seth Rollins is is never, even in the Tyler Black days, was never somebody I, I, I really enjoyed very much. I thought he was fine, you know, when he was ring of a champion. I know there's that debate about whether they should have strapped him up earlier and whether that would have made a difference. To me, he was always somebody I thought was okay you know he's very much I think the first of those modern ROH people like the Adam Coles you know the cookie cutter kind of ROH wrestler that just is technically I guess competent but just leaves me feeling a little bit cold and it was in this match it was the cackling and I'm, I'm watching a really well put together match a really competent match with uh, maybe a dead gimmick, but a really interesting gimmick in a hell in the cell. And I've just got his cackling and he's laughing all the way through it. And it's the fact that he's Seth Rollins and he doesn't just work for WWE, the world's worst wrestling company on almost every level, morally, artistically, you know, okay. They're the market leaders with Twitter followers and engagement or whatever, but actually in terms of things that reasonable wrestling fans care about, their pants, but for some reason, this man goes to bat for that company doesn't he? he? He stands up and he goes to bat for them, and he sticks up for them and I just can't respect that. I can respect a Kevin Steen, who just goes there, takes the money, shuts up, and spends time with his wife and kids. Absolutely no issue with that if you if if that's where your line is, and you're happy to do that, and you're happy to give up the esteem, then you know you you give that up, you know, it's, it's completely up to you. Um, but someone like Seth Rollins almost wants to make out that he's having better matches than Will Ospreay, and he obviously isn't. No matter what you think about Osprey, Osprey's having better matches than Seth Rollins. And when I'm thinking about my critique of wrestling, i realize that I really let things like that get to me. I shouldn't really have been thinking about that when I was watching the match. Or should I? I don't know. I mean, this is better exemplified by his opponent, Cody Rhodes. Because Cody Rhodes was a wrestler that I, I never really liked. I, th- I thought he was okay. He's very, he's very um you know, WWE product, isn't he? he? He was fine. But I really respected him when he left. I respected him when he walked out. He thought, no, I can do better than this. And he had that list that he wanted to do. And it's easy to laugh at the list. And I I get why. And I, I laughed at it now, and I still do a little bit. But he had that... You know that drive and that 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 desire to do something in wrestling, and he did something in wrestling. He, he did something important, and he stuck it to the WWE with his billionaire mate, which we won't talk about. But he did something that really, really did he felt special. And the fact that he went back, I don't know. That really, I felt that's a bit of a, kick, of a kick in the teeth. Yeah, you took the money, and great, good for you. You took the money, but you would you would have been really well far off Cody. You would have been someone that people really respect. And ultimately now you just, I think he's a bit of a joke. And this match had loads of things in it that I should have really loved. Like when he's taking his jacket off and he reveals that awful looking bruise. Now I've never torn a peck. believe, Believe it or not, listener. I have never torn a peck. You know, and I don't know what it feels like. But it looks bloody painful. And that's what matters. It's a visual business. And I thought, as I'm watching this match, I'm thinking I should be more into this. And I'm letting these outside influences come in and, and, and take away from it. And I wondered if that was okay. And I don't, I don't really know. I don't know if I, if I should be looking at these things with a more neutral look. Or at least recognizing my biases. And in a way, that's why I'm really glad, perhaps, that Super Strong Style 16 hadn't been uploaded. Because progress are the epitome of that for me. I find it really, really difficult to look at them with neutral eyes. because the whole tone of progress has always really aggravated me. You know, the way it was always these three mates and, you know, I, I remember going to shows and, and John Briley come around the microphone and shouting at people. And it was it was a bit, like, arsey. Like he like, they'd be late putting the show on and nobody really cared that they were late putting a show on. You know, things happen. They say, you know, we'd go on the microphone and say, you know, I'm sorry, there's been a delay. It'll be you know, 20 minutes later, start time, get another drink. And I don't think anybody there would care about that but he'd have such a sarcastic apology that it had really wind me up. And I, I carry this through now with progress. I, I really do. And just I mean, look, listen to the start of this. I had to get a little dig in, didn't I? And I'm, I'm thinking about myself as a critic now. And do, and do I really need to worry about these things? I think ultimately what it comes down to is what I, I don't want to be. And I think every wrestling critic, when they reach the 30s, they get to this point where they don't want to be a cornet. You know, and obviously, the racist part, and the accusation, like that's never going to happen. But I mean, like, the grumpiness. I don't ever want to be the sort of critic that approaches things with a, with a grouchiness and a grumpiness. And yet, sometimes I'm not going to like things that everybody else likes. But I've, I don't want to be predetermined with that. I'll give you a prime example, actually, of something that's happened recently. The um, anarchy in the arena thing, I didn't like it. I don't. I, I just didn't really enjoy it. I respected things about it. I loved the fact that the two point oh guy gigged within about twelve seconds. I like to think if I was a wrestler, I would be cutting myself open at the, at the, with a stiff breeze. You know, every opportunity I get, I'd be I'd be finding the Muta scale. You know, um, but I did like it. But I didn't go on Twitter and start gobbing off about it. I just thought, well, let you know, people enjoy it. like Werner Herzog. Let people have their fun. And I felt like this with super strong sixteen not being uploaded and it throwing my plans out, I felt like I needed to do something to kind of refresh myself as a critic a little bit. I felt like I needed to go on a bit of a journey of discovery and i I really like doing this, and I think it's important that you do this actually as a wrestling fan is that you keep yourself fresh that sometimes especially if you're like me you you know you you're the newsletter kind of fan you know, you feel the need to keep up with things and, and have opinions on things and have takes on things. And actually what you need to do sometimes is get yourself out of the comfort zone and do things that refresh yourself. You know, whether that's something that you find in, in old wrestling tapes, like I've been watching some uh, FMW this week. I've been um, watching a load of wrestling from 1998. I have got hold of a 1998 yearbook that I've been enjoying. But I wanted to do something for the podcast that felt refreshing and felt new to me. And I felt like I was looking at things in an exciting new way. So what I've decided to do is use this little bit of free time, much like the 3am dead time. I've got some dead time on the podcast. And I'm going to take a dive into the Hungarian wrestling scene. And this has been something that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. You know, the, the Hungarian wrestlers have been appearing on WXW for quite a while. Uh, Arrows of Hungary have been in RevPro, a regular team in RevPro for a bit. Um, and I really enjoyed them. I really liked them. These wrestlers like Peter Tiani at 16 Carat Gold, who I thought was absolutely amazing. I I really want to take a little bit of a deep dive into this. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be in the spirit of my sort of Socratic way of looking at things. You know, I used to do these articles for Voices of Wrestling called How to Watch Wrestling. And I I chose that title because it's a bit. It's a bit sexy, isn't it? It's how to watch wrestling. But the big twist was, is that I was discovering how to watch wrestling. Is that I, I was looking at wrestling through different lenses and through with different theories and that sort of thing. And it, it was about me having to think about wrestling and working out how to watch wrestling for myself. So I'm going to apply that to the Hungarian wrestling scene. Uh, because it's an incredibly exciting scene. Um, obviously, I could talk about Great British Tag League. But because progress screwed me over, I'm not up to date with that. So we're going to do that next time. Before we do that, though, let's have a a, a think about some news that's happened. Uh, We've had Aussie Open turn up in AEW, which is weird because they're an Australian tag team turning up in an American promotion. But Aussie Open feel like they're ours, don't they? And I'm so glad they're on a a bigger stage. I feel like they're wrestlers that everybody knows who they are. Everybody's aware of them. But are they? Is your average AEW fan aware of uh, who was the opener? I don't know. And I'm really glad they're getting this opportunity because they deserve it and it's long overdue. But in a way, they are now the perfect tag team for me. If this would have happened five years ago when Kyle Fletcher was but a slip of paper, would it have been effective as if turning up now as this beefy boy? It wouldn't have been. So everything happens for a reason and I'm glad they're getting their big opportunity now. I do have some sad news to report as well. Um, and this is going to be a, a, bit, a big blow for some people, actually. And I, I I I feel in some ways almost responsible for putting negativity up into the universe and causing this to happen. Uh, but the wrestling entertainment series looks like it's no more. Um, big blow to the scene. Uh, it was going to be a huge event. As you know, I was going to cover the whole thing. I was going to get tickets. Um, but they postponed it. And unfortunately, they did that thing that a lot of companies do in this day and age. Uh, and it's just, maybe it's a nature of the beast. Or maybe it's just what happens in this business. I don't know. But they postponed the show and didn't tell any of the talent. And as you would expect, people like Tennille Dashwood and Dionna Parazzo have bookings. And then Twitter has now just gone silent. They did an interview for Fightful, I think, that I didn't read. And now they're gone. And it, it looks like, Wrestling entertainment series show isn't happening, and I'm as deflated as you. And I, I think, you know, long time listeners will know that I really went deep on this story and I really investigated it. And what, you know, what did the Limelight Orchestra get cancelled for? If they're not even going to do the show, the Limelight Orchestra were going to have this wonderful evening of James Bond hits with an orchestral lens. And they were cancelled, so WES could run a show. And now that show's not happening. Devastating. Really is. Last bit of news, actually, is a little bit personal. Uh, I bought some live tickets. Um, obviously, I mean, I go to wrestling quite a lot, but I don't go to many very, uh, very many big shows. But I bought some live tickets for Rev Pro's show in Manchester, uh, at the Victoria Warehouse, in July. So if you do buy a ticket, I'm going on my own to this one. I'm, I'm not dragging my wife to this one. Um it's on let me double check the date, Summer Sizzler on the twenty third of July. Um I'm gonna be the fat, sweaty nerd who looks like he can't take a bump, who's on his own. So obviously I'll stand out at a rev Pro show. So please make sure you come and say hello. I'll give you the old limp workers handshake and um and, and stare awkwardly at my shoes while you tell me how rubbish my podcast is. I'd absolutely love to do that. But as I said, we're gonna be talking about the Hungarian wrestling scene today Um, and I'm really excited to go through it and give some of my impressions of it and and I'm hoping that if some of you are already experts in this scene that you listen to what I'm saying you enjoy it but also you correct me and you point me in different directions because I feel like I've got a good grasp of the scene now um, but I really want a a better grasp of it because I've really enjoyed what I've seen But before we do that, I want to tell you about this week's sponsors. And I am incredibly proud to say uh, that I am sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get FarmFresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You don't have to worry about taking time to go to the uh, supermarket. You don't have to worry about going to markets. You don't have to work out when the dead times are so you, you don't get bashed around and battered by crazy people with shopping trolleys. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. And that's why it's ended up being America's number one meal kit. It's farm fresh and it's seasonal. It's easy to make. They deliver it to your door and it goes straight from the farm to your doorstep in under a week. It all arrives fresh and it's all about convenience. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people I really struggle with portion control. I cook a lot of food. I have every intention of saving some for later, but it never happens. And I end up eating three portions in one go. You don't have to worry about that with HelloFresh because it all comes pre-portion. You don't overbuy. You don't waste food as well. More importantly, my wife is going mental at me day after day about throwing away food. But that doesn't happen anymore with HelloFresh. Uh, they've got amazing chefs with a diverse menu. You can pick your favorites. There's 50 weekly options. It's completely flexible if you need to skip weeks because you're going away. You can do that no problem. You can custom, customize it, You know, swap out a protein, swap out a side. Um, it's It really is an amazing experience um, that we've really enjoyed. Um, but obviously, we've got a great offer for you. You don't just have to take my word for it. You can try it for yourself. Uh, If you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16, you will get 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and then use the code VOW16. I found it absolutely fantastic. I'm throwing away so much, um, so much less food now. Um, I've got all sorts of great recipes. Uh, I'm going away in a couple of weeks, and it was so easy to just take a pause and go back to it when I'm ready. Um, I've and um there's a reason why it's America's number one uh, meal kit. So HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Make sure you use that code VOW16 and you'll get 16 free meals. Let's take a deep dive into the Hungarian wrestling scene. So Hungary's premier company is uh, HCW, or Hungarian Championship Wrestling, and they've just had uh, their big Day of Glory event um, that's available on their YouTube channel. You've got to be a member. I think it's about £6 a month, something like that. Um, but there's loads of stuff on there. It's a great VOD service. And I'm I'm surprised actually that more companies aren't going to the YouTube thing because it feels like all the infrastructure is already there. A lot of these smaller companies are doing it like, um, you know, HCW and then GWF are doing it really well. And it feels like a lot of that the thing that people moan about the most with places like Pivot Share, you know, things like it doesn't remember your place, it throws hissy fits if you try and skip backwards 10 seconds or whatever. All that's not really an issue for um, for YouTube, and I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. It's a really great service. And like I say, they had this big show, uh, Day of Glory, um, and I really enjoyed it. I think it's as good as anything that you're going to at the minute. He was a really well-rounded card with loads and loads of really great things, interesting things to stinky your teeth into. Um, it opened with a tag team match and it opened with this tag team that I've been seeing a lot as I've been watching a few of these shows uh, called 4K and they are so grimy. They are such a grimy tag team but they're super over. It's BT and Benji And Benji I've really taken a liking to uh, because he's rubbish on the one hand, but absolutely brilliant on the other. I mean, they're both complete dude bros. They're not the sort of people I I spend time with, but they're the sort of people that I look at from a distance and just find incredibly entertaining. It reminds me of uh, a night out I went on. And I, I was not really a night out person, and it was when I was between work, uh, uni, and and career, and I just had a, a job in an office. I, I, I wasn't doing very much. And there was, there was a few of us who worked there who, who'd not long graduated. we were all sort of early twenties, and we, I, we were all sort of about to go away and, and do different things, and one lad there was was going to be a doctor. And he called him say, I'm going to be a medic. I'm going to be a medic. You know, He's from a posh family. His dad paid for him to go to Cambodia for a fortnight and stuff, just out of the blue. Uh, bit of a knobhead. And um, we went on a night out with them. And I, I, it was the first time in my life that I've ever been out with... I wasn't on the pull, but with people who were on the pull, And it was just the, the most bizarre experience for me because these blokes stood around, like, you know, going, you know, spotting tents and, like, nudging each other. And they were going, like you know yeah it's full of fit birds at this pub and I'm looking around thinking this is a complete sausage fest you know it's just I feel like we're in a bar full of blokes and there's like two women on that everyone is leering at and they're clearly not gonna go for you are they but <laughs> but that's the vibe that I get from 4k and that sounds like an insult but it's not I think it's I think it's really really <laughs> I think it's a compliment um they open a lot of these HCW shows, and I think it's really smart because people like them. There's just something charmingly simple about them and stupid about them, but they've also got a lot of heart, you know, and I think a bit like a Joey Tribbiani sort of feel to use it. Oh, that's just made me feel a bit ill that I've used a Friends reference. Friends stinks. But anyway, you know you know the sort of thing that I'm talking about. And they faced the uh, the... Goulias brothers, or the Goulias siblings it comes up as on uh, the translate, but I I thought they were th- these Golias brothers. Um I know one of them, I know Goulias Jr., the Bull of the Village. I'm not familiar with his partner, um, but I really like Golias Jr. as well. He's a big bloke, but incredibly charismatic. He's he's very baby faced. I think he's I think he's young. I don't think he's as young as he looks, though. And he's just got that big sort of bare look to him, but he's very baby faced and he's very emotive as well. And that's what I like about him. You know, as I said earlier on about, you know, some reviewers look at the, um, sort of the technical aspect of things. And obviously I, I do that too. It's not a zero something, but what grabs me more than anything else is the emotion. And Guliash Jr. Is, is really great at doing that. Um, and ultimately the Goulias tag team, are just two big blokes walking around, holding the belts all that it's very wrestling. Um, you know, and they're just two big blokes against four K who look like a weird memory of Tupac on holiday. You know, they've got bandanas tied around their heads and Hawaiian shirts on, uh, and it's ridiculous. Um, and I have to be honest in all my explorations of Hungarian wrestling, and I've found a lot that I've liked, but it was four K and Gulyash Junior, um, who I've I've really enjoyed. Um, so I was excited for this one, um. And it was a bit of a shame because this is, on this particular show, this was probably the worst that I've seen 4K wrestle, I suppose. Um, I think because it started where there wasn't much in the way of actual wrestling. Um, 4K, I think, can err on the comedy a little bit too much. I think it's fine in their entrances. But what they do often, I think, is ignore what makes them great and, and sort of bury their lead a little bit. Because what I particularly like about 4K and what I've enjoyed is that they they do delusional quite well, but they've got so much heart that you almost, you, well, you don't almost, you do forgive them for it. You know, Benji, for example, at one point went toe-to-toe with one of the ghouliest brothers, and he's, you know, he's, he, he can just keep up for a short amount of time. You know, we can get things like arm drags and slaps in, but he's he's... Of course, he'll go for a body slam and he's so small that he can't quite do it. And then you've got BT, his tag team partner in the background, screaming at him as if to say, you know, come on, you were doing so well. How did you, you know, why did you do that? And there's something really human about that that I I get from this tag team. As ridiculous as they are, there's something very human that grounds them in that they they constantly put themselves in a position where they look like they're overachieving. And then things kind of come crashing to the ground. And it's it's something very relatable and real. And I I really like that. BT, Benji's tag team partner, is incredibly emotive. And he always seems to do the babyface hot tag. And he's absolutely brilliant at it. Especially in this match when he was juxtaposed with the brutality of Gullius Jr. Um... And what I liked about this match, actually, and this is going back to the Cody conversation before, I thought what HCW were able to do here really, really well is just put two baby faces against each other. And there were some people in the crowd who cheered for uh, 4K. There were some people in the crowd who cheered for the Gulias brothers. And it really made me think about that tweener thing, you know, that Cody always used to talk about, you know, that I'm not a heel and I'm not a face. And he'd, he'd come down through the middle and... I find a lot of wrestlers that do that actually just seem to act like one or the other on a whim. They're kind of like water going for the path of least resistance. That if it's easier to act as a face, they'll act as a face. If it's easier to act as a heel, they'll act as a heel. Whereas what these two teams did is they just acted as themselves. They were themselves. And and, and you just chose which one you wanted to get behind and you cheered for them. And because we're wrestling fans and we're not idiots... We understand that this is a contest and we can cheer for who we want. We don't feel that we have to boo somebody else. And I'm not knocking classic heel versus babyface structure. That's great. But I think sometimes it's not always as simple. It doesn't have to be as simple as that. It could be something a little bit more nuanced and they did that really well here. The match structure here was funny. Um, And I like that about it. It seems that Tag matches in particular, I think, really go for a a very typical structure. You know, matches nowadays tend to have a a, a bit of a repeatable structure. It seems like that's always been the case, that there'll be like a standard match structure on the indies and and, and we'll see that on repeat. And I think tag team matches in particular lend themselves better to that. Um, But this was kind of strange. It was like a series of tag matches on shuffle. It wasn't a, simply a case of somebody being beaten down and getting the hot tag and there being a fight back and then it could go either way after the fight back. So, for example, BT could hang with Ghoulius Jr. For a, for a bit, but then Benji couldn't. So, you know, they were th- th- there was moments later on where they'd fight back and then try and go for slams again. So they'd almost repeat that kind of, that, that spot. And I like the fact, actually, that there were repeated spots all the way through this because, for example, a cannonball wouldn't work twice you know it would work once but then they were smart enough to avoid it again and these feel like really simple things don't they these feel like really obvious things but when you watch a lot of independent wrestling you start to realize that they're not obvious things and sometimes i I mean i'm the first one to admit i've never taken a bump but sometimes from an outsider's point of view you think this would have been so much easier from a planning and a booking and a a, a blocking out point of view to make better. And HCW seems to really get that. And that was particular, um, particularly evident, I think, in this match. I think my problem with it ultimately was that people didn't really sell very much. So there was these little great moments of structure and this this playing with structure that was interesting, but it didn't really it wasn't really given time to breathe it was almost like there was too much of a shuffle in there i like the fact it was moved around but he needed a little bit of stillness at parts they did save stuff uh you know there was big clothes lines and topes right at the end which i thought was interesting they kept things in their back pocket um that were really good um and in the end, 4K lost by roll-up, which normally would wind me up, I think, in such a sort of a epic-style match. I want a satisfying definitive ending. But here, I didn't really mind it because of that constant shuffle in the structure. But these are two teams, I think, to look at, particularly Goulias Jr. Uh, the older is he's, he's, he's fine, he's okay. But Goulias Jr., I really, really like. And he's, he's somebody that I, I think if he keeps getting dates in WXW and hopefully starts getting dates elsewhere, I think he's somebody who we we really need to keep an eye on. And that's ultimately why me and you keep an eye on things like this, isn't it? Because we want to see these, these hidden gems. Um, Next up, we've got uh, Dino Babic against Ted Wellington. And Dino Babic is another wrestler that I absolutely love. He's in that Dan Maloney mold of just being an absolute jacked-up chav arsehole. Dino Babich has got an entrance that so, so many indie wrestlers want to have in that he comes out and he looks tough. The problem with being tough is that if you try to be tough and you push it too far, you end up losing it and it comes across as forced and fake. You've got to be like Dino Babic. It's got to be absolutely effortless. And he looks amazing. He looks absolutely brilliant. He's he's so unlikable. You know, he looks like he could batter you. And he's the sort of person that you wonder whether your wife fancies You know, you think, you know, you don't really mind if she fancies somebody who's nice, you know, because you just, there's nothing you can do. You know, you can't, you can't control uh, your wife fancying, I don't know, Charlie Hunnam or whoever, it's just, it is what it is. But you hope, I don't like this guy, but he might, my wife might fancy him and it, it gets that really kind of visceral pathetic jealousy driving up in you. Maybe I'm talking, maybe I'm revealing too much here. I should probably stop. Um, Ted Wellington does a gentleman gimmick. He's, he's fine. He's, he's all right. Um, But you know what I like by now in matches? And this had it in spades. The bell went and it was straight to wrestling. And I think Babich really gets wrestling. He gets how to be a heel because he realises that if you're going to be this prick and you're going to be this 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 infuriatingly sort of jealousy-inducing arse. You've got to let people... Get a bit of satisfaction out of you, and what I like about him is that he makes a lot of mistakes. He does things that where he just goes a little bit too far. Like he starts this with a flying Superman punch, and he misses. He's uh, Ted Wellington was allowed to make a fool of him a little bit. You know, it's it, it's almost leaning into this fact that yeah, you still do have something to 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 mock this heel for. That he's an absolute tosspot, that's incredibly strong you know he he was able to do things like catch wellington off a top rope uh, dive and wellington's a full grown man as well he's not small he was able to catch him off the top rope he's able to do incredibly athletic things but he's not very smart i, I, I again this is something that i've noticed about hcw is that they can do things that are tried and tested and and and, and tell stories in very traditional ways but also in ways that uh, A kind of got a little bit of a, a nice little twist to them. Like, for example, this was basically a squash, you know, but Babbage was presented as someone who was an absolute raw talent who made mistakes. You know, Wellington could have won this because three or four times Babbage dropped the ball, he would miss something or he would make a mistake. But because he was allowed to get his one big power move in, that was enough to get the victory. And Babich feels like he's moving and that's what I like. He feels like he's somebody who's who's kinetic and he's moving his way up the HCW card. And he's a wrestler that I, I really want to keep an eye on. He's somebody that I'm, I'm really into and I want to see him work in more places. Then we had an Icarus match. And Icarus is one half of the Arrows of Hungary and really... This was the team that got me interested in Hungarian wrestling and they're a team that had been used in RevPro for quite a while and I've always liked them. You know, they would turn up at the live in London. So they did quite a few cockpits and I, I really enjoyed them. But it was seeing them at WXW this year for 16 Carat gold that really put them over the edge. And I've got this image burning into my mind of their entrance on night three. Uh, they had a, a tag team match. And they came out in sort of traditional Hungarian dress and they did their arrow pose. And they're absolutely terrifying. It reminds me, and I've mentioned this line before that Joe Lanza said on the flagship that's always stuck with me. And he said that, he's about the Briscoes, about Jay Briscoe. And he said, I'm a grown man who knows it's fake, but they still scare me. And I feel that way about the Arrows of Hungary. I think they're absolutely terrifying. And it's strange because you look at him on Twitter and he just seems like a real. they both seem like really nice blokes. Uh, but Icarus is utterly terrifying. Um, and he had a revolution championship match against Maverick here. And again, Maverick, someone who's popped up a few different places in Germany. Um, And he does the mist thing. And I'm really thinking about this mist thing. And it's led me to think about sort of things from wrestling past that we, we kind of hold on to. Things like Paradise Locks, I feel like, is in the same category. And I feel like mists are something that I forgive in old school wrestling. I don't just forgive it, actually. I love it in old school wrestling. I, I don't know why. But when you move it into a modern context, I think it, it, it's pretty silly. But um, that's what Maverick does. Um, both entrances were great here, you know, especially Icarus. He's utterly terrifying, and he's a star. And it was really great to see Icarus in like his home venue. You know, it's it was great to see him with a with a home field advantage almost because they're they're over, and that re, that when you know it, not just like people are cheering for them, but they're over. You know that they're well loved and that they're respected by the fans, and and you can tell. I think it's not something that I can describe, but if you know, you know. This was another match where HEW really showed they understand the small things. There was a in the build they do great promo packages. Obviously I can't understand a word of what's being said, but it's clear that this mist has been an issue and Maverick went for the miss straight away as soon as the match started and he missed and Icarus dodged it and it it feels like you know a really simple thing that but it feels like that's very telling. It feels like a promotion that's thinking about what's happened and what's going to happen next and it all leads into each other. Um, sloppy opening sequence here and you know they, they really I think Maverick in particular kind of stretched himself a little bit too much at the start which is ultimately what took away from this match for me when I look back on it but there was lots here that I enjoyed so so much these little interesting twists of what you might expect to happen for example Icarus just kept taking powders He was outclassed by Maverick all the time in the opening and he just kept taking powders. But they sold it brilliantly like it was a frustration. Like it was, I'm going for this title and I I don't like this person and I should be able to beat them. Because on paper, they really sold that. You know, Icarus was... Going in felt like he had the advantage but for the first five minutes of this match, he just couldn't get a, a route in. And he sold that so well. Um... And ultimately, it took a pile driver on the apron to get him in the game, which I believe is the hardest part of the ring. So it's little things like that, the way they tell the stories that are very rooted in reality, and not over the top, not forced, just really nice ways of telling stories. I think this actually was exemplified better later on with the strike exchange. The strike exchange is becoming a little bit of a... Of a cliche, I think, in wrestling now that we have to have in almost every match a time you know two thirds into the match where the two wrestlers are going to stand and just punch each other in the face and and don't get me wrong i I loved I'm not at the cornet stage yet. I love the visceral nature of that and how how violent and aggressive that is, but here there was just a little bit more dynamism to the strike exchange. there was movement. It wasn't just a case of someone taking a forearm and then waiting for the next one. They'd move and they'd react to it in a way that just felt much more grounded and real. And it ended with Icarus leaping up and doing a massive lariat to the back of Maverick's head. And I loved that. And I think the dynamism was something that absolutely characterized this match. you know, they would di- Maverick did dives after dives, after dives, and then he'd do a pin and he'd kick out, and it just felt like there was an energy to it. And I really wish that energy was in the first half of the match because if it was, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have been recommending this as a great match. I mean, I still recommend it. It was a really good match, but I felt like it just needed that dynamism all the way through. The second half of this had so many amazing images. Like Icarus rolled um, over from a superplex into a submission. And he's screaming and screaming. And there was this lovely moment at the end where you were really allowed to think about Icarus' character. And what Icarus was sacrificing to win this match. You know, there was a great hush as Icarus pounded and pounded. And I got the impression that, yeah, Icarus is tough and he'll go to whatever length it takes. But if he's got the choice, he's going to win by wrestling. But he didn't have that choice here. He tried to win by wrestling and he couldn't do it. And he, he, he took, it took him to this level of violence. It's almost like he changed and the control that he had was gone. And he was screaming at Maverick. And then the crowd starts screaming for Maverick. You know, Maverick gives him the middle finger. So then Icarus does Maverick's finishing move on him. You know, it's that, that desperation to win this match and, and this desperation not to be embarrassed by someone who does the miss gimmick. And I don't know if I'm adding stuff that wasn't there, but that's what I got from it. And it's read the response theory and that's what matters. It doesn't matter what the artist intended. It matters what you got from it. And that's what I got from it. And I got so into it. Ultimately, Maverick won this. He he, he did the mist. He got his frog, uh, frog splash and then he, he pinned I'm not a huge fan of the pin because it kind of changed the focus of it a little bit from me. Um, you know, it, it kind of the focus was on Maverick's heart in this. You know how well he he was able to 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 resist and and to fight back when all the odds were against him. And then by using the mist, it kind of changed the focus onto his guile and his willingness to go to any length. And I think both of those things are valid stories to tell. But actually, when both are presented to me, I preferred the heart story. I think, obviously, Icarus can take the loss. He's amazing. He's over it. He can do it. And the way they presented it, I think if he'd have just got the frog splash without the mist, I don't know, maybe the save is something from Icarus, because Icarus will always have that thing. Well, if if you want to use the mist, you want a one. But he did it in full view of the ref, so it just the missed. Out just gave me a few questions, I suppose. It sort of maybe took a quarter star off it because it was he, those questions kind of hang over my judgment of the match. But ultimately, I thought this was a really, really good match. I really enjoyed it. Then we have Svedberg versus Mayoki. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. By the way, I hope I'm pronouncing I'm pronouncing everything right on this. And if if I am pronouncing things wrong, and you know, please let me know. I don't mean it as as any kind of disrespect. It's just it's not my Natural tongue, it's not something that a language that I've come across. I think I've got them right, but again, anything that I've got wrong, please let me know. Um, myoki is kind of like an over enthusiastic jungle boy, um, which I think I like better than actual jungle boy, but I think where you <laughs> where you lie on that is ultimately going to be up to you. And Svedberg is uh Swedish and he's basically a Eurovi- Eurovision Song Contest contestant. Um, this was perfectly fine wrestling, you know, not much to report. He was very much moves, but I'm not really complaining about that. I feel like another thing that HCW do really well on the shows that I've watched is they pace the card really well. And this was a win for a young wrestler that elevated him slightly in my oki because he won um a and it wasn't emotionally draining like the previous one. So I, I think that worked really well. Um Myoki, as I say, is young. He's very competent. I just hope he turns the gimmick down a bit. He's a bit... He's done the jungle boy thing, but it's not with a... It's almost like he doesn't want to do the nudge-nudge-wink-wink thing. He wants to play it a little bit more feral. (laughs) Almost like he was raised by actual wolves. Which is... I mean, I was almost almost going to say it's fine. It's not. I don't like it. Uh, But that's up to him, isn't it? I, I, I feel sometimes... Especially with young wrestlers, gimmicks are shortcuts. And if you think of the greatest wrestlers, your Mizawas, your Kawadas, think of your great wrestlers of the modern era, your Okadas and your Ospreys, your Bret Hart, your Steve Austins, whatever genre of wrestling, whatever it is that you like, it tends not to be it tends not to be the really heavy gimmick stuff that is great don't say Undertaker. If you thought the Undertaker then when I said that, you, you, uh, you're you silly. So, <laughs> if the Undertaker came to mind, no. Um, but yeah, anyway, this was a match. I just think, um, like I say, Maioke needs to turn the gimmick down a little bit. Then we had Cesare Alton versus Dover. Um, now, if Icarus is scary, Dover, his tag team partner, is something else. He's utterly terrifying. He is built perfectly you know there's that thing in wrestler isn't there it? there's the Bret Hart scale that he mentioned in his book where you rate a wrestler in three areas you rate them with their charisma their in-ring ability and their body and I would give Dover a 10 for his body and I know if you were to look at a picture of him you might not agree with that but I think he looks terrifying. He looks like the sort of person that you meet in a pub whose party trick is to put you in submission holds that you can't get out of. hes He just looks like he's got this incredibly terrifying natural strength that's just amazing. And his entrance here was absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know what the story is here, but these pictures of Zoltan um with the arrows from when he was a kid and stuff like that I'm so into you know there's images of uh images of him training with them of and it feels like this is a really deep relationship that's fallen apart um, I really would like some English translations of this. And in a way, that seems like, for me, a bit of an uncomfortable request because you're Hungarian Championship Wrestling and you should absolutely just be Hungarian. I don't think you should pander to people like me who are too lazy to learn a foreign language. You know, you do what you do best and you stay in your lane. But I, I want to know what this story is. And I think that's actually a compliment because it it's, it's really dragged me and involved me into this. This was a hardcore match. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about the Cody and the um, Seth Rollins match, in that I don't think I was ever going to love this because I'm not really a hardcore guy. Um, I feel like I'm almost out of my comfort zone criticizing it. It's not really something that I have a knowledge of. It's not really something that I've spent any time watching. So to criticize it would almost feel fake, other than to say I just don't really enjoy hardcore wrestling generally. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in this that was incredibly emotive. You know, Dover got a spanner and jammed it in Zoltan's eye at one point. There was a massive, massive back body drop.com into some chairs that was just utterly visceral. And I can recognize that even if I don't always enjoy it. A suplex into a ladder cannot be denied. You know, it's just utterly horrendous. Um... You know, there was brawls outside and I kind of switched off, to be honest with you, but the crowd didn't. There was just lots of things in this that I am used to now, I think, with hardcore matches. Like people getting kendo sticks out and I just think, why have you got kendo sticks under the ring? I wonder if... I wonder if sometimes that... When you do things like get the kendo sticks out and there was the other cliche of the, of the drawing pins in the bag and it... it, it it really speaks to a contrived artificiality. And obviously everything that we're looking at is artificial and we know it's artificial and that's absolutely fine. And we engage in that. you know. I, I, it's There's something about hardcore matches that perhaps cross a line for me a little bit. Because if you were really trying to fight someone, if you were really trying to hurt someone, you wouldn't hide a bag of thumbtacks under the venue before you went to fight with them. And that sort of juxtaposition is... Or almost that oxymoronic nature of it just jars with me slightly. Um, it's it's not captures. It's not even like Cactus Jack walking to the ring with a shopping trolley full of shenanigans. You know, it's something that kind of exposes itself. It's not an efficient fight. Um, Dover was choked out, and I feel like I would have liked this a lot better if it wasn't hardcore. I think these two clearly have a great match in them, and I really like them, especially Dover. Um, but again just be aware that when I'm saying that, that probably is my biases speaking. And if you're a hardcore person, I do think there's a lot to like here and I do think you would you would enjoy it. That's just just not me. We had a three-way next, RC against Iva Kalaski, against Heidi Katrina. Iva Kalaski's getting about quite a bit and I think she's got a lot of potential. She's very inexperienced, but every time I've seen her in Germany, she's really impressed me. Um I really think that she's going to do well. She's somebody to watch. I mean, she's had, I think... Did she come for WXW and a look on a cage match? And I think she's had like 15, 20 matches, which is insane. And I, I appreciate that she's going to be working in a lot of places that don't even get on cage match, but I think that says something in itself. You know, she's not somebody who's got a great deal of experience. Uh, and then Orsi is doesn't even have a cage match herself. Um, but with these two... From their entrances, you'd never guess this. They're just so confident. Um, they they come across like stars. Their work for now is competent. As I say, they're clearly learning, they clearly got a long way to go, but they've got it. They've got that almost the unteachable groundwork finished. Uh, and that 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 goes a long way. Um Orsi's been announced for the UK actually. Is it Eve or RevPro that have brought her over? I think she's in RevPro's Queen of the Ring. So we'll get to see a little bit more of her, which I'm I'm really excited about. Um, this match was really hard-hitting. Um Heidi Katrina is a British wrestler and she's been around for a while. She kind of just wrestles everywhere and she, she's fine. Uh I think the problem with this is ultimately that it was a three-way. Um, Kalaski also brought a zombie to the ring with her, which I didn't really understand um, there was again this potential here but there were a few too many bits where Heidi Katrina who's supposed to be the experienced glue that sticks this together, she would miss a drop kick or sell something weird and she came across more inexperienced than the two inexperienced wrestlers and uh, she couldn't really carry them to a good match, um, but I think this is worth watching for uh, Kalaski and Orsi because they're, they're really exciting. Then we had a four-way tag team match. Villains, Budapest, Bastards, Fabio, Ferrari and Zamar Amin against Hoss Antal and Rufus Goldfeet. Um, this was a bit of fun. It was entertaining enough. Uh, villains are some big gimmick boys. They're like ancient pirates that look like they're from the Age of Sigmar or something. Very captivating. But really, this was a bit of a vehicle for the Budapest bastards who were a bit of a focus for HCW. Over as all get out. Very cool. Lots of energy. Um, Renegade is just a big powerhouse. Um, Okay, none of this was Mizawa Kawada, but it was all entertaining. The crowd were into it. The crowd clearly absolutely loved it, which really helped. And he was a vehicle, as I say, for Renegade and, uh, is it Nitro, the other guy in the Budapest Bastards, uh, to do some strength spots. And that's not the worst idea. You know, they might not be the best workers in the world, but there was something intangible about them. I think as a match, though, it was a little bit self-defeating. It went on a little bit too long, and I ended up kind of getting nothing from it, and the crowd seemed fatigued. So if you wanted this as a bit of a palate cleanser before your main event, a bit of fun to get the crowd jacked up, a little bit of a focus for some teams that you're going to be building later, that was fine. But because it went on so long, it kind of it dragged away uh, from that. And because the show was over three hours, I think it left a bit of a taste in my mouth. You know, I thought, well, that wasn't really necessary. We could have just had this as a really entertaining match and, and moved on. You know, done it in 10 minutes, but whatever. That's real nitpicking there, by the way. that That is real nitpicking. Then we had a title match. It was Chris Jokic against Tiani Peter, or Peter Tiani, as he's known in WXW. And I said it was Arrows of Hungary that drew me to HCW, and that's partially true. But to be honest with you, it was Peter Tiani. I've seen him a few times now in WXW. And he feels like he's a wrestler that I want to be in on the ground level. He's got, do you know, remember that feeling about 10 years ago, probably when Osprey started to break through and it gave you that bit of a buzz. And that's when wrestling exciting to me because Peter Tiani's got a little bit of that, not the same level as Osprey. I don't think, but he's got that little bit of a bubble to him that is just really captivating. Is really exciting from a kayfabe point of view, on the one hand, that he's moving up, but also from a booking point of view. He feels like someone who's going to work his way up and get bigger and bigger and better and better opponents. And we're going to have that time where we are with people like Ricky Knight Jr., where we're putting our stall out and we're saying, right, show me a great match. And when that great match happens, that breakthrough match, to me, there's no feeling like it. That's why I do things like this podcast. It's why I write about wrestling. And I I think Peter Tiani is somebody who I'm ready for. And it he shows me as well that you can't teach a lot of things in wrestling. You can't teach an entrance. He's effortlessly cool. You know, he's not the progress or the NXT style of entrance where there's beats. They've got to stand in certain places do certain poses, he's just a very cool person and he comes out and he's cool and people react to that in a much more organic way and I think that's what's exciting about HCW and that's what's exemplified by Peter Tiani, is that it feels much more organic in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like people are doing their entrances and I'm doing my chance chants to respond to it you know, you don't get any of those awful this is awesome chance because somebody does a, a a, a, a 2.9 kick out. Everything feels earned and everything feels natural and organic and that's why it's such an exciting promotion to be involved with and to catch up with. Jokic is a shooter. He's a real life wrestler. He's, he looks great. He's a bit gimmicky. Um, I feel like there was a square off at this that get, it was just brilliant. You know, the bell rings, he went straight to wrestling, straight to striking. There was no messing whatsoever. You know, there was sleeper slams and kicks and every move was just committed to with great catches. Uh, Tiani was great here as well. And and like what we were saying before about the, the tweener thing, where he just is who he is. You know, he does things that I guess would be naturally heelish, but because he's Tiani, you, you love it and you get caught up with it. So, for example, he'd, he'd outsmart uh, Jokic and he'd do this thing where he to put a gun to his head and do like click-click with it. You know, as if to say, oh, I've got you here. You know, he's a really arrogant face. He'd do shoulder blocks that just bounce away like it was nothing. He wouldn't waste his time getting involved in exchanges with Jokic because he was trying to, you know, he thinks, well, I'm above this. I don't need to waste my time getting into exchanges with you. Um. You know, he'd dodge him and he'd do like a basketball dunk. Not a dunk, like a three-pointer. You know, really arrogant stuff that he could sell really well. Um, And it was just really strange to see the heel get done over like that, but really entertaining and really great. I mean, and then Jokic understood this, so he he took balls to get back into it. He had to go to Topes to get the advantage. He realised that, hey, maybe my wrestling isn't good enough for this person. I've got to raise my game, and I'm going to do that with risks and, and, and dangerous moves, and, and that's what it did. If I'm honest, like a lot of the matches on this card, there were flat moments with it. I think every match had a flat moment, and this the middle was quite flat. Uh, when Jokic took control, there were lots of rest holds and body slams, and it served a purpose. You know, um, essentially, Tiani, the babyface was getting beaten down and dominated, and he had to fight back. And I understand that purpose, and I know it sounds like a weird thing to criticise, because it worked. The crowd got into it. It just wasn't very original. It felt like people were doing moves. You know, there's a Guerrero special at one point, that looked cool, but it, you were doing moves. Um... And I I don't like that. I think one thing that HCW do really well, and whoever's plotting these matches, whether it's the wrestlers or someone behind the scenes, I don't know. But one thing they do really, really well is a closing stretch. And this had a moment, sort of the pre-closing stretch that was fantastic. You know, maybe it's because the crowd were red hot but there was a super kick off a of 450 and then men trying to kill each other with moves off the top rope. And it, was, it really felt like it could go either way at any point. So those kickouts were so easily digestible to you. You just got so into them. There was a slap from Tiani in the late game and it was great. He really does dance on a line of just being this arrogant prick but still being likeable. And I, I think that's really hard to do and he does that really, really well. Things fell apart a little bit, to be honest with you. And I'm going to just tell you what happened in the late half of this match. And again, a theme for this show has been my biases. My biases say that this stinks. There was a ref bump, a Canadian Destroyer, and a miss pin that didn't get the three count when it should have done. And I don't understand why a great company that clearly pays attention to the small stuff would do something like that. The crowd clearly weren't into it. And this was uh, Jokic that got the pin. You know, it was the heel that got this. I suppose he was the heel. It was a little bit, again, it's not as cookie cutter as that. He was definitely heel leaning. Um, I just don't know why he did that because once that was over and Tiani was back, he was spinning uh, spinning DDTs to the outside, multiple 450s. There was a bit where he landed really funny Tiani on his arm on a 450. So Jokic booted it and he was able, because it was a quick injury, he was able to get the pin because he, he, it was that mistake, that not being able to execute that 450 well. And Jokic being smart enough to take advantage of that, that led to the win. And that's intelligent wrestling. That's interesting wrestling. And that to me is completely at odds with Canadian Destroyers and shitty ref bumps. So it, it's a tricky one. Because that really did take away a lot for me from this match. And the flabby middle did. But ultimately, I came away from this being really excited about HCW. I think they clearly have a great mind for wrestling. And this was a bit of a three and a half, three and a quarter star special. But it was an incredibly entertaining show overall. And I'll be honest with you. I'm looking at flights to Budapest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's how much I was into it. It's like GWF. I want to be there. And that to me is a great litmus test of a promotion. If you watch the show and think I want to be there. You know, that really, really does say everything. And I have to say, I've been doing a bit of research into Hungary and it, it sounds amazing. You know, I'm reading about all these bars that are there. These really sort of what they don't call them dive bars. Let me get that window back up. What do they call them? Um, where is it? Ruin bars. I don't know if that's that something that's lost in translation. But these amazing cheap bars and farmers' markets and just incredible stuff. And the food looks amazing. And I really want to go and try it because it, it just looks really hearty, great food. And, and to me, that's what I want from from my holiday. I just want to go and eat. So next time they're in Budapest, I'm, I'm going to try and go because I'm, I'm really into them. That HC. That's a HCW. But this is Eurograps Express, and the train never stops. We can't just look at the big promotions, we have to look at the small ones too. So let's look at a little bit of an underground Hungarian promotion. So I also checked out Passion Pro Wrestling. And I knew straight away this was a promotion that I was going to love because you look at their Twitter bio and they're just like, we've got a passion for the art of pro wrestling. And I thought, Do you know what? So have I. And when you have a look at the venue that they use, it's essentially just like a, I don't know, like a warehouse or almost like an industrial kind of area. Uh, and everyone's just stood around the ring. There's no space between the ring and the fans. And it reminds me when I started going to wrestling shows, you know, independent wrestling shows, it feels very natural and real and exciting and what uh, is going to make things easier for us is that everything goes up for free on youtube or it seems like everything goes up for free and they've got dave bradshaw doing english commentary so every match gets uploaded twice once with hungarian commentary and once with english commentary and dave bradshaw was really really good i think he does a great job and i think it's easy to to ignore indie commentary sometimes because it's often just so bland. But he really gets the balance right, Bradshaw, I think, between calling what's happening, getting you excited about it and making it, but also making it seem real and analysing it and and, and, and taking it seriously. I really, really like Dave Bradshaw. Uh, But the show we're talking about is uh, their fourth show. Um, It's just called Passion Pro 4. Um, it's like I say, it's, it's uploaded in separate matches. It's all available for free on YouTube, and I I really really enjoyed it. The first match was Guliash Junior against Oscar. <laughs> To say I kind of misunderstood the start of this because I don't know if it was my my speakers I had to watch this on my laptop, but I couldn't really hear the music very well. But obviously I could hear everybody banging on the uh on the ring as coolly as uh, sorry as Oscar came out, and it felt really intimidating, you know. It was almost like there was no music and people just banging on a ring as someone came out, and he was like, Oh my word, this is this is incredible. Uh but it turns out he was just turned down, so <laughs> scrap that. Um Oscar, again, was at Carrot Weekend, and he's he's great. He's very Walter-like. You know, he's a big lad who, who wrestles like a big lad, and I, I really, really like him. And we've spoken earlier about Goulias Jr. Um, I think he's got so much potential. Um, he's very similar to Oscar in a way, but he just sells things a little bit better. You know, he's just very natural in the way he emotes, and I, I think that's good. There was a weird bit of grappling at the start of this, but I actually really liked it. Um, you know, I'd, and then he just went to fat, slapping each other. And I thought, yeah, great. You know, Like, how could you not like that? You know, there was speed with drop kicks and clothes lines. And Oscar really took a beating on this. His chest was red and he had cuts on his back because they were, cl- they were clubbing each other. He was very quiet from the crowd, but, in a very engaged way, it was weird, it was like, sometimes it's odd isn't it, when you go to a different wrestling culture, and you, you see that they do things differently, and it, it's it's very engaging, and it wasn't quiet in the sense that it was dead, it was very much a, a bubbling atmosphere, a very lively atmosphere, but it was also quiet, and it was a bit, it was disconcerting in a, in a good way. I really like these two, Oscar and Guglias Jr. And it, it makes me think about what I want from my young wrestlers. And, and and OK, there was fundamentals on display with crabs and half crabs and feet were in the right place and all that business. But you could tell they wanted a tough match. You know, they didn't want a match that just went through the motions. They wanted to do something impressive and hard hitting. And I really like that. They clearly wanted to build a match well and they built the cannonball brilliantly and just a really, really good match. I do think Goulias is one to watch. I love his power moves. He's very emotive. He's got a great charisma. I'm going to say this at the end of this match because it, it, I've got to call it out when it happens. If you're going to do the handshake at the end of the match, do the handshake at the end of the match. If you're not going to do it, don't do it. I'm sick of having these matches where we've got to spend a minute, two minutes, three minutes spent, you know, deciding whether or not we're going to have a handshake. I'm not bothered if you do the handshake or not. Just decide. Go one way or the other. Now, this next match, if you listen to my review of the uh, previous show, the HCW show, you'd realise how excited I was for this. And it was 4K against the Arrows of Hungary. It's no secret how much I love the Arrows, and I've made no secret of how much I love 4K. Uh, And 4K, again, were grimy as anything here. Um... They came out, and I didn't know what they were saying, but I bet it was grimy. Um, But something happened here that that has has tinged my love for them a little bit. It's made me think, you know, I've had a first date with them, or, you know, second, third date, whatever, however long I spent with HCW, really enjoyed it, and something's happened on this date that's made me think a little bit. They brought out a remote control, with a big red button that said slow on it. And they pressed it. And they moved in slow motion. And the ring commentator spoke in slow motion. And Dave Bradshaw on the commentary spoke in slow motion. That's crap, isn't it? It's absolute crap. I, I mean, it, it just, just, just nonsense. And this happened in the match as well. They pressed it in the climax of the match. And it wasn't funny. BT made a face. The arrow should have no-sold it. That's what should have happened. They should have pressed the button and the arrow should should have just gone, nope, and full speed punched them in the face. And it's a shame because there was lots and lots of stuff in this that I really liked. You know, Benji is still that weird, muscular, skinny, clearly built to be annoying. But it was just, he's utterly captivating. And it was a solid tag match with arrows leathering people and cannonballing the team. And, you know, they do big moves and get a two count, but then immediately starting submissions afterwards. And it was great. You know, there was little patronizing details like Benji kicked out a few times and Icarus applauded him and said, hey, you know, he's in a really patronizing way, but in a really interesting way. But then you had that button and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, come on. We're better than this. Pro wrestling is better than this. That stinks. Anyway, it's what it is. I like both these teams. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let it sour me too much, but I will not forget. Then we have Tristan Archer against Mike D or Mike DeVecchio from D, uh, GWF. I really like DeVecchio. He's got an amazing look. He looks absolutely terrifying my problem with Mike D matches really is that he he tends to wrestle beyond his ability when he doesn't really need to, to be honest with you. Um, But his entrance, like I say, is amazing. He looks absolutely fantastic. And there was a bit in his entrance where, you know, wrestlers do that respect thing where they wipe their feet on the apron. He got in the ring and then wiped his feet inside the ring, which I just thought was brilliant. I know for some people that would take away, but for me, it added. I just thought that was so dumb jock. It was amazing. Um Tristan Archer, you might know him from the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, but if you—that's the only place you know him from. Have a look at some of his work in WXW because he was really valuable to them during lockdown, and he's—he's he's a great wrestler. Completely transformed his looks since he, then. He's massive. He looks absolutely fantastic. Um, handshake to start this off, and I just thought, yeah, we've got two big lads having a fight. Um, when the clothesline started, it was obvious that these two boys were almost too big for the ring, and that was great. At any moment, it felt like the ring was going to collapse and break, and that just added to it so much. It it, you know, it was a big, bruising match between two big bruisers. Um, It just never relented, really, for a good sort of 10 minutes. And Mike D's clotheslines are absolutely brilliant. They're so brutal, so hard-hitting. If I'm honest, this was a tiny bit drawn out. It was about 20 minutes, and to be honest with you, it probably should have just been 10. You know, I love my big lad wrestling, but I like it to burn bright and fast. And I don't know, Mike D did a running suplex though, did he? So yeah, I'm into it. You know, it was impossible not to be. I just think this could have been really great if they'd have just shaved about five minutes off it. That was down in no parts to Archer, whose selling was absolutely fantastic especially on this cutter that Mike D did and he started this oscutter and I thought this is going to be a typical Mike D overreach there's going to be no way that he's going to reach Tristan Archer um, that far away and he did he got him and it was great and it really speaks to the production values of this because it's a small company they're not you know they're doing a couple of hundred people they're putting their shows for free on YouTube but it looked absolutely brilliant and the way they cut back Uh, to give you a real scope and a real appreciation of how far uh, Mike D flew through the air was great. The, the, The whole production values are fantastic. There were no selling Exploders at the end of this. There was amazing punches from Archer. It it was a really entertaining match and this is probably one of the favourite matches I've watched uh, this week. Well, I've, been, I've been digging my way through quite a lot. I'm talking about two shows here, but I've dug my way through quite a lot and this is one of the better matches that I've seen. It was really entertaining. I really liked it. Then we have Robert Dreisker against Tamas Shabo. Oh, Robert Dreisker's promo here was so good. I really, really liked it. Um it called back to something that had happened at the previous show where Dreisker basically battered Tiani and then uh Xabot called him out. And Dreisker was really patronizing in this promo. He said that, you know, to Jarbo that this is the only place this match could happen. You know, you came out and you called me out after the Tiani match because you couldn't have a match with me anywhere else. It's only in Hungary and it's only for Passion Pro that you're going to get this level of match against me. What a knobhead. What a knobhead. And I love stuff like that. He even said about five times, he said, in this business, in this business, like a good brother. And it was perfect. You know, he was really, really good. You know, he was incredibly patronising of Dreisuke to say that. What a heel promo. I thought it was great. I don't really know Tama Shabo that well. He's He's got a great look. He's a professional. He's um, got a nice tan and he's got a brilliant arm lock. His arm lock reminds me of something that your dad would do and say, get out of that without moving, which is great. Uh, but Dreisker was dominant here and he had to be because otherwise the story wouldn't really work. Um, it was quick to Dreisker having headlocks and big shoulder blocks that showed a, a really great story. It was a great moment where Shabo skinned the cat with all the grace of curdled milk. So Dreisker just waited in the background. With his hands on his hips. And then just closed-lighted him back out of the ring. They were great tests of strength. With Dreisker talking shit all the way through. And Jabo being able to fight, unable to fight back. Really, really great storytelling. And Dreisker, while he isn't the most exciting wrestler in the world. He gets it, I think. And he could sell the shock of Jabo's fight back really well. Um... And when Jabo knocked Dreisker out, he mimicked him earlier in the match. You know, when we did that skin the cat thing, Dreisker invited him back in in that patronizing way. And Jabo did that later on. And I, I really like that. And I think when wrestling is kept simple, it often really sings. And, and this was a prime example of that. Um, great wrestling from Dreisker. Great suplexes. Really hit hard. A um, little bit all over the shop in terms of structure. There were lots of great ideas, like Xabo nearly won, but he injured his knee and Dreisker was able to scrape it. So Dreisker got the win, but it still elevated Jabo. Um, I, I don't know. I I just think they got a little bit too cute at times. Now, the match that made me actually want to watch this promotion is next and it sends a Volto against Peter Tiani. I've raved about Peter Tiani already. I really fell for him during Carrot Weekend. And Volto is someone I've enjoyed for a long time. Um, And again, I get the impression here that the youth would really like Tiani. You know, he's a young lad that does wrestling really well. He can wear a cap as well, which I feel like that's the litmus test. When you wear a baseball cap, you're either Jim Smallman or Peter Tiani. And if you want to be Peter Tiani, but often too many of us are going to be Jim Smallman, uh, Tiani does it really well. The thing here that, I I I think this should have been better than it was. And I think it was because Volto got a little bit silly with the chanting. I could forgive him at first, but it, it just got a little bit too much. And I, I got what he was trying to do. I think during this, Volto was trying to play the heel a little bit. Um, it, 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 You know, he was trying to go from being sort of clapping along and encouraging him in a patronizing way to making that really smarmy. And it kind of worked but it also didn't. And I felt like Volto at some points was desperate to turn heel. And I think it's okay to just have face versus face, especially when you're Peter Tiani and Senza Volto, because they can definitely take the weight of that, because they're both stars. Senza dominated this, um, you know, for a lot uh, a lot of the time. Um, And he, he did lots of cool heelish things like slapping Tiani's arse while he was in octopus stretches and, and all that. But again, like I say, I just I don't think he needed it. It felt like I could see the cogs working in terms of story. Great strike and shot fest. Tiani's DDT is amazing. Um, And there was just lots of smart things in this. Like if you go for a move too many times, you're going to get caught out. You know, and and there were cutters that were reversed into code reds and chokes. And and it it was just very, very smartly produced, if not very exciting. And the Volto performance kind of took away from it, which I think is a shame. Because Senza Volto is normally a wrestler that I absolutely love. So that's Passion Pro. I loved it. I've explored two Hungarian um, promotions over this week. And I've loved them both. And I feel reinvigorated. I feel like I've improved myself a little bit. I've engaged myself in another wrestling culture. And I've found two promotions that I'm a big fan of. And I really encourage you to look at both of these. Both Passion Pro and HCW. They're both really easily accessible. Passion Pro especially because it's free. You can get this entire show on YouTube with English commentary. And HCW is well worth subscribing to. I think the... Both very, very exciting promotions. Highly recommended. Let's tie things up. I feel like I've snatched victory from the jaws of defeat with this episode. You know, I really, I was genuinely quite worried and I really saw my ass when Super Strong Style 16 did go up, and I've sort of been. Keeping up with Rev Pro, but I've not watched. You know, you've got to really watch it to do a podcast about it. So I was going to go back and watch the tag league, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll get a little bit more of it watched before I do that. And then, yeah, just this journey I've been on of watching Hungarian wrestling has been really rewarding. Um, and I, I really hope that you go on that journey too. You know, the shows you can watch, as I say, that are really accessible, and I've, I've had a really great time watching them. So I'm going to wrap things up for this fortnight. I'm I'm really sorry to anyone who had Wes tickets, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure something will happen in the future for us to sink our teeth into. Um, if you have got Rev Pro tickets to the Manchester show, drop me a DM. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chubby underscore Cthulhu. It's my personal. Uh, you're probably better off going on my. <laughs> on my business account at Eurograbs exp. Give me a follow DM me if you want to uh, meet up and and, um, and share a coke with me uh, I'd really appreciate meeting some people there um, and I hope you have a lovely fortnight and I'll see you again soon